Open your Bibles, if you would, now, as you remain standing for the reading of God's Word. The book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number 4, verse number 8. And just by way of reminder, when we got into Philippians chapter 4, we looked at, uh, in these first uh, several <clears throat> verses here, the first eight verses, there are five what you could refer to maybe as commands. And these five commands are expected as reasonable. It's, it's just reasonable that we do certain things, we live a certain way. Uh, the first of those, of course, we saw in verse 1, so stand fast in the Lord. And uh, we looked at what it meant to stand fast. Uh, if you continue to go down through there, unity was also implied in that standing fast. And then you look at verse number 4, it says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. So the command of rejoicing was given to us. Number 5, let your moderation be known unto all men, and uh, that was something that we dug into very carefully as far as uh, having our gentleness be understood and living within those limits. Uh, and then verse number 6, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. We talked about the, the prayer life of a believer and, and how we are not careful or overly anxious but we trust in the living God. And today we're getting into verse number 8. Verse number 8 is where we're going to be reading this morning. So if you'll take a look with me. Philippians chapter number 4 verse 8. And had I not had this memorized earlier in my life, I would have had to have called someone else up because I didn't bring my glasses and I'm having a struggle. And so bear with me this morning, please. Verse number eight says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. This morning we're going to be taking a look at the thought life of a Christian. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would watch over and protect during this time. That no unnecessary movement or distraction would take place to where we would be distracted, nor would we be the one distracting. And Father, help us to get into your word and apply it to our lives today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, we find something that Paul, uh, he, he kind of puts out for us to, uh, to see that the gospel changes. Now, if you believe that the gospel changes, can I hear you say amen? There's a couple people that believe that the gospel changes. If you believe that the gospel does not change... I'm sorry, but you have not been introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ changes the person. And here's what we typically get. We get the idea of this change that the gospel of Jesus Christ brings is merely a change of destination. I was once bound for hell. Now I am bound for heaven. And, and, and I want you to understand that while that may be true, that, that, that may very well be true about you, that's not the end of the gospel. The gospel calls for a change not only of destination, but a change of direction. 
You see, many people want to get to heaven. They want to get to heaven by their good works or by their, uh, the, what they give or what they do or how they live or how they act. But there's only one way. It's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Can I ask you for just a moment? When he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what did he say no one comes to? The Father. Not heaven. He doesn't say, no man comes to heaven but by me. He says, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You see, here's heaven. God. God is what makes heaven so wonderful. You know, we teach our kids, heaven is a wonderful place, filled with mercy and grace. And I don't know why this is here, but it's going to distract me the entire time. I'm ADD, you can't do that to me. Now, I want you to understand what it is that makes heaven so glorious and so wonderful and so attractive. It is the same God that I can spend every single day with here. Here's what I like to ask people. You know, sometimes people are like, well, you know, pastor, I just, I don't, I don't really like going to church. All you do is you sit and you sing songs. Some of them you know, some of them you don't know, some of them you like, some of them you don't like, some of them you really don't like, some of them you really, really like. But, and then you got to listen to you. Oh, anybody wants to listen to me. Ooh, nobody wants to do that. And you're like, well, I don't want to sit there for that long, pastor. I mean, I, you know, pastor, I, I like, I, I can listen to, you know, Caleb and stuff like that. And, and, and I can watch TV and I enjoy, but I just really don't enjoy going to, going to church. You know what I mean? Church just really isn't my thing, pastor. I really don't like listening to a bunch of preaching and stuff like that. Can I, can I just expose something to you? If you don't like hearing people sing about God and you don't like hearing people talk about God and you don't like hearing people praise about God and you don't like hearing people testify about God, you sure ain't going to like heaven. Because that's what heaven's all about. It's about being with him. And people think, well, no, I can't wait to get to heaven, get my harp and sit on that cloud and just look down and watch everybody. I might spit on them from time to time. That's not heaven. Heaven's about spending time with him for all eternity. So if I don't like spending an hour on Sunday morning, I sure ain't going to like being there eternally. Well, Pastor, I, I, I like going to church, but, you know, the whole personal devotion life thing, you know, reading my Bible every day. If you don't like spending a little bit of time in the Word here on earth, how are you going to enjoy spending time with the Word in heaven? You see, we've got to get this thing right. We've got to understand something. And Paul likes to expose it. Here in this chapter 4, we find ourselves a beautiful picture because Paul says, hey, the gospel changes. The gospel will change the way you stand. The gospel will change the way you act. The gospel will change the way you live. And the gospel will change the way you think. If it doesn't, then you have not experienced the saving grace of the gospel. Oh, now come on, Pastor. Don't tell you're going to meddle now. Mm-hmm. Because I love you. You know, one of the most unloving things that I can think of is keeping truth from someone that needs it. You know, if uh, if I was Let's say we're walking to Aldi. That's God's grocery store. 
We're going to Aldi, and we're, we've parked, and we, we're making our way to the carts. You put your quarter in the cart, take the quarter out. I taught my son the other day. There was a cart in the middle of the uh, parking lot, and I'm like, hey, free quarter, go get it. And he's like, what? Yeah, take it, man. Put it. So he's up there, he's plugging it in, getting the quarter out. He's <laughs> like, well, here, I said, you did the work, you keep the quarter. What? Now, y'all can look at me and think what you want. God blessed us with a quarter. I'm not about to walk by a blessing from God. But here we are, we're walking, and we're heading into Aldi, and we're, we've parked our car, and we're making our way toward the carts, and here comes a, a car flying through the parking lot. And I look, and my son, is, uh, or my daughter, is, she's, they're, they're walking across the parking lot, and I say, hey, stop! And they turn around and they say, don't tell me how to live my life. And I go, okay. <laughs> Would that be loving? No. And Father worth his salt's just going to go, okay. <laughs> that had to hurt. Uh, the father's going to run after the child, jerk them back, or tackle them running across. Say, hey, you need to know. We need to understand something. If there has not been a change, there has not been a change. As deep as you might want to think that is, it's, it's there. If I still think the same way I used to think, I have not changed. If I still live the same way I used to live, I have not changed. If I still talk the same way I used to talk, I have not changed. Now, this is not to say that someone gets saved and the next morning they wake up, oh, they've got a halo and they're walking through life perfect. What's the direction that they're going? This is repentance. I was going this direction. I was making my way toward the type of language I want to use. And God came into my life, stopped me. And now my language is God-honoring. I was going this way in my life. And the entertainment choices that I would, I, I would deal into. I would watch things on TV and watch movies and, and go to the places on the internet that I knew I shouldn't be going to. God came to my life. I changed direction and I'm making my way toward things that are God-honoring now. I used to do things that were displeasing to God. But now I work every day to try to make my direction toward the things of God. And here's where things get hairy. It's, well, wait a minute. I can't stop my mind, Pastor. <laughs> you know, preacher, come on. I mean, it's, I, I, I cannot go places that I'm not supposed to go. I mean, I just I go out and slash all four tires, and guess what? I can't go to the bar anymore. <laughs> I, I cannot say things that I used to say, Pastor. I just duct tape my mouth, and I'll never say another word. Man, there's been many a times that I have prayed, Lord, just take my voice away. Why did I say that? Lord, just take my sight away. Ah, Lord, would you just make me go deaf? It would be a whole lot easier to live this Christian life if I didn't have eyes, ears, and a mouth. Maybe you all have it all figured out, but I still mess up regularly. And the area that I battle the most is right here. 
I can put duct tape on my mouth, and I can strap myself to a chair, and I can put blinders on, but my mind is still going. And the Apostle Paul said, here's what you think on. Here's how the mind of a believer ought to be trained. We do not live the way we should because we do not think the way we should. Mark it down. When I act a certain way, it's because of my thinking being out of line. Let's look at a few of these things because I'm going to break it up, these, this list. There are uh, eight things in this list that you'll find. There in verse number eight, you'll find, uh, well, it's the wrong chapter. I was going to say it didn't look right. True, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, praise. And we're going to break them up into four categories. The first category being absolute concerns. Now, these are what must occupy the mind of the believer. The mind of the, of the follower of Christ must be occupied with these two things, and everything else kind of hinges around this. Uh, look at the first one, truth, for example. Whatsoever things are true. If you were to go over in your Bible to John, the book of John, look with me. John chapter number 14. Look at John chapter 14. Jesus is talking here. These are red letters, so they're even more important. Unless you've got a Bible like mine. Mine doesn't have red letters. <laughs> mine are still black. Look at John chapter 14. Jesus is speaking. Thomas says, we don't know where you're going or how to go, how to go there. Jesus says in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We just talked about that just a moment ago. But notice what he refers to himself as. I am the truth. Now, do you remember, if you were to go back to the very beginning of John, you'd find the very first few verses say, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. I'm sorry, New World Translation. No, it's not was a God. That article A is not found anywhere in the Greek text, in any Greek manuscript ever found, ever, 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 ever. So no, was God. A better transliteration of that was in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and God was the Word. That's the best transliteration of that passage. But now you're here in John 14. Flip over just a couple chapters to verse seven, or to chapter 17. Look at John chapter 17. In Christ's high priestly prayer, he's praying for his disciples at this moment. And he says, look at verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So when we see things like the Apostle Paul talking here saying, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. And then he ends this by saying, think on these things. What do you think the number one thing that the mind of, an, of a believer ought to be occupied with? The Word of God. Jesus Christ. 
Truth is to be the mark of the believer. When, when, <laughs> there's many times I'll, I'll, I'll talk to people and I'll ask them, what do you think I ought to do in this situation? What do you think I ought to do with this problem? Or I've got this going on in my life. What do you think I ought to do? And they start to go down all the different ideas or opinions and everything. I love it when someone looks at me and just simply, plainly, and honestly says, well, what's the Bible say? Well, the Bible says I should fill in the blank. <laughs> hey, honey, you know, I'm at the grocery store. I, 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 go to, I go to certain stores, and I remember why I don't go to certain stores. You, you ever been, you know, you, you walk into a store, and you, you try to figure something out. There's one store I got in my mind, and I'm not going to say it because I know I'm going to step on somebody's toe, and I apologize for that. But I walk in, and I go to 15 different clerks wearing orange and try to find help for anything and everything. And every time I talk, I'm thinking, this is why I don't come here. And then I get frustrated, and I get on the phone, and I'm talking to my wife, and I'm telling her, babe, this is why I don't come to this store. I hate this store! And what, what's your loving wife say to you? Well, why'd you get it? There are two other perfectly good stores just around the corner. You could have gone to one of those. Walmart's like that. 400 checkout stations and one's open. And it's a log jam because somebody got the only can of something that had the label torn off of it. And I go in and I, I, I get frustrated and she says, well, think for a minute. Don't, you can't act like that. We were at a store not too long ago. I'll tell the truth on myself. And I did not act like a believer by any stretch of the imagination. I was upset. It had been a long day. We go into this store, and they, they I'm, I'll just be honest with you. I went into the exchange, and, and I go in, and the kids have all these video games. We got a tote. I mean, you're carrying in a tote of video games and DVDs. We just want to trade them all in for one video game. And the guy says, do you have your license on you? I'm in work clothes, and I just... Re- I don't even have my, I don't have my, I don't have, I don't have my license on my wallet on me. And well, what about your wife? Does she have her license? And for some reason, she had left it in an old wallet. She had just changed wallets. She doesn't have her license on her. I'm just thinking, oh, Lord, have mercy. And I said, well, wait a minute. We got our concealed carry permits. Yes, we have concealed carry permits. And I said, well, shut. Well, that's not a valid ID, sir. And I remember when I got mine, I was told that this can be used as a valid ID. And so, buddy, I went to that. It's a valid ID. He says, no, it's not a valid ID. That's a valid ID. I know it's a valid ID. Now, I'm giving you the trumped up. I wasn't this mean, but I felt like being that mean. And Sarah's like, just, it's okay. It's okay. We'll just come back at another time. I drove all the way to Niles from Vienna. I carried this 400-pound tote into this store full of video games, controllers, DVDs. We just want one stupid thing. Keep them all. Throw them away. I don't care. I just want that one. So we leave because he was right and I was wrong. But guess what? We still had a tote full of video games and DVDs that my kids wanted to trade in for a video game. And guess who had to go back into that store and face the guy that I was just a jerk to? This guy. 
So I'm walking out and I'm stewing because now I'm mad, not only because of what he did, but because of my actions. I'm like, you idiot. Of course, the first thing that went through my mind is you've got to go look at that guy later. But it wasn't too long after that. You know what really came into my mind? Does that guy know Jesus? He sure didn't give him a very good image of Jesus, did you? So the next day we gather all of our stuff. <clears throat> I make sure I have my wallet and my ID on me. And I got my kids with me and Sarah's, <laughs> Sarah stayed home. <laughs> She's like, your bed, you lay in it. You know? and so I walk in and I walk up to the guy at the counter. I, I looked for that guy. And I walked up and I'm back. And you could just kind of see on his face this, ugh. And my kids are standing right there next to me. There was a part of me that wanted to say, hey, go look. (laughs) But I wanted them to be right there. And I said, hey, I needed to apologize for yesterday. He said, ah, it's no big deal. I said, no, it's a big deal. You see, I'm a Christian and I should not have treated you that way. And I'm going to ask in front of my kids who watched me act that way, I'm going to ask you to forgive me. He said, man, forgive him. Don't worry about it. Was my mind on the Word of God at that moment when I acted that way? No. My mind was on me. Truth should occupy the mind of a believer always. But not only truth, look at the next one. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. Back in the 1600s, we would have used the term honest to simply mean honorable. Honorable. You know, the Greek renders it as honorable or something that is worthy of of respect or respectable is another way of saying it. Putting value on what is honorable. So the believer should hold value on the things that God puts value on. So the question that I would ask myself is, do I value the same things as God? You know, I've had people tell me before, going to church isn't important. Church isn't that important. Whoa, whoa. You know Christ died for the church? Not this building, but for us. And you know what, the, what church means? Church means, it's from the uh, uh, Greek word, ekklesia. The reason why we say church, we have ekklesia or um, uh It's translated a called out assembly. We say church because from the Greek, you know, English is not a romance language. A lot of people say, well, it was derived from Latin. That's not exactly true. It borrows from Latin and it borrows from Greek. English is a Germanic language. And Germanic languages draw mainly from German 
and you have in German the word that would be translated as ecclesia or called out for assembly is kirch or kirche in the old Germanic. Kirk in the more modern German. Church in English. But it is not just in reference to the body of Christ. It is in reference to the called out assembly. If I'm at home, I am not an assembly. And so as a church, the one that Christ died for, don't tell me it's not important. I value what God values. I value character. What God values. Look at the next set here. Not only do we have absolute concerns, but we also have relational concerns. That's the next two. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, and whatsoever things are pure. After I train my mind to focus on him, to examine everything in light of him and in light of his word and in light of what he values and what he holds dear, the next thing that I look at is how I relate with others. And I should concern myself with the relationships that I have with others. What is just? You see, the believer should hold the same standards as God. You know, here's, here's the interesting thing. We would want people to be forgiving to us because God is forgiving, but do we want to be forgiving of others the way God is forgiving? Whatsoever things are just or right. Righteous, fair could be inserted here. Remember, God's standard. I hold myself to God's standard. I do not hold God to my standard. This is where we mess up so often. But as I hold myself to God's standard and I make sure that I am treating others the way God would have me treat them, the way God would treat them, the way God has treated me. As I do this, I also occupy my mind on things that are pure. Now, this is not just in, in reference to sensuality. We always get out, well, whatsoever things are pure. And we think, well, you know, he's just talking about uh, you know, looking at the wrong things on the Internet. No. Pure can also be in reference to motivation. And so the believer must be pure not only in thought, but also in his intentions. Whatsoever things are just, well, I want to be fair. Why do you want to be fair? Well, because I want people to be fair to me. And so if they're not going to be fair to you, does that mean you don't have to be fair to them now? Or do you have pure intentions? Maybe I wanted to go and uh, apologize to the guy at the exchange because I wanted to make sure I got top dollar value for the things that we were exchanging. That's not pure. That's not pure motivation. Let's look at the third thing here. We have relational concerns, absolute concerns, but now we have public concerns. You'll notice that the first four are characteristics of an individual, but now we see something that is just a little bit different. Now he looks not only at the characteristics of the individual, now he looks at the impression that is made upon the world around us. 
whatsoever things are lovely and whatsoever things are of good report. Lovely, not just in appearance. Now, there's a lot of classy, dignified people that really ain't that lovely. I mean, they, they may have all the looks about them. They may know how to dress to the nines. They may know how to put on a good show. But once you get to know that person, you're just like, they're just not a very lovely individual. One of the things that attracted me to my wife is not only was she classy on the outside, she was classy on the inside. Whatsoever things are lovely. I've met a lot of pretty women in my life that I wouldn't have given a bent nickel for. But I've met a lot of preachers in my life I wouldn't have given a bent penny for. Oh, sure, they know how to preach a good message. They know how to put a sermon together. They know how to expose the Word of God. But you get to talking to them on a personal level, and you find out real quick, this guy is not the kind of guy I would want to be around. Whatsoever things are lovely. Believers should present a pleasant attitude at all times. Not just in appearance, lovely, but in attitude, personality as well. Not negative, not fault-finding. But you know the problem is most Christians today are negative individuals, fault-finding individuals. Oh, well, you know, it's just a bad day for the church, and we got, uh, we're not allowed to do this, we're not allowed to do that. And look at, look at the politicians. They're all against us. Nobody likes me. I'm going to go eat worms. You remember the song, Nobody Likes Me, Everybody Hates Me, Guess I'll Go Eat Worms? There's a lot of Christians that live their life that way. And that not ought not to be the way. No, not negative individuals. I mean, they, they, I, I was out to eat one day, and there was a group of ladies, and please don't storm the pulpit and get mad at me, ladies. There was a group of ladies sitting at the coffee shop that I was sitting at, and I, this, was down in, this was down in Middletown, and I was sitting there at Java Joe's. I think it was Java Joe's or Java Johnny's? Java Joe's. Java Joe's. And there was a group of ladies sitting there, and it was, it was just nice, and it was refreshing. They had their Bibles out, and I thought, oh, man, that's great. They're meeting for a Bible study. And so I just kind of, I don't know, you can say I'm nosy, I don't know, but I just kind of made my way over there. I'm just going to sit at the table near them. And you know what I heard with their Bibles open, sipping their lattes? I found out more dirt about their church than anything about Jesus. I just sat there and I'm like, oh my. She did. I'm, <laughs> part of me just kind of wanted, she did what? You know. <laughs> oh no, she didn't. You know. <laughs> but these ladies just sitting there, sipping their lattes for Bible study, beating the fire out of people verbally up one side and down the other. And I just sat there thinking, I'm glad I don't go to that church. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report.
Is Christ and His church well reported of? Because of you. Whatsoever things are of good report. Do people think highly of Jesus? Because of me? Do people think highly of His church? Because of me? Or are they sitting at the next table going, glad I don't go there. Glad I'm not one of those Christians. Got my fish on the bumper and got a bumper sticker that says, honk if you love Jesus. And the whole time I'm honking people and showing them my IQ. Whatever's a good report. And then you'll notice the last two things here and we'll, we'll be wrapping up. It says, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Paul wanted to make sure to cover it all. So he uses two human ideals to try to draw the conclusion of the matter. He uses two human ideals to convey what is acceptable and what is praiseworthy. That's basically what this breaks down to. In other words, what do general people view as virtue, virtuous, or acceptable conduct? You know, I've, I've told you before, I'm one of those, that the sound of people eating at the table just goes straight through me. I just, it drives me bonkers. Especially, now I like chewing ice just as much as the next guy. But I don't want to hear you chew ice. <laughs> to me, that is not virtuous. That is the exact opposite. Completely, 1,000% unacceptable. You can't get more than 100%. I just did. Virtue basically means moral goodness. Let's say, let's say I was walking down the road. I was on a walk and just enjoying the nice weather. There was a guy walking down our road not too long ago, and I stopped and I said, hey, you need a lift or are you just enjoying the day? And his response was this, man, I'm just enjoying God's creation. I said, well, I don't want to interrupt. You have a blast and praise Jesus. Well, let's say I'm walking down the street and I'm walking these back roads here and just enjoying the day, just enjoying the weather. And someone decides that they don't think I should be in the road. The road's made for cars, not walkers. So you need to get off the road. Find a sidewalk somewhere, bub. And he just stays right in that lane, coming straight ahead. And, of course, I'm walking on the left side of the road like a good walker would. And I just say, ooh, this guy is really coming. And I have to jump into the ditch for fear of my life. And he's going, I don't care what you think. I think it needs to be this way, so you just need to find another way to be it. You know, there's a lot of people that, none of us would think that that was right. But there's a lot of people that think that we can do that with other things. I disagree with you, and I'm going to berate you until you agree with me. 
Did you know that I can disagree with someone without losing virtue? I can do it. I can disagree with someone lovingly. I do not have to agree with someone's specific lifestyle. I do not have to agree with someone's political views. But I can still do it kindly. The natural man understands how to be respectful of one another. And this is what Paul's talking about. He says, before you were ever saved, what did you view as kind, appropriate, acceptable behavior? At least do that. If there be any virtue, but he also goes even a little bit deeper. He says, if there be any praise... This word praise, basically praise worthy. If anything is worthy of praise or commendable. Commendable. Does my conduct elicit praise or criticism? And so Paul wanted to make sure to paint that broad brush on these last two. And say, come on guys. If there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. He appeals to these human ideas of just simply goodness. Let's get ready to wrap up here. Now, I want you to think for just a moment about your personal life just this week. Just this week. Think about what you've been thinking on. Have you been driving around angry, negative, critical, fault-finding? Have you been guilty of gossip this week? I wouldn't do it that way. I wouldn't be. I want you to think for just a moment. Has your thought life been been consumed with things that are true? With things that are honest or honorable? Has your thought life been concerned with the things that are, uh, as far as my relationships with other people are concerned, the things that are just? The things that are lovely, pure, sorry. Has my thought life been leading me to a life that shows a lovely, good report? You see, I do not act the way I ought to act. Because I do not think the way I ought to think. If we could get verse 8 right, I was talking to our children's workers this morning and I made this statement and I'll make it again. If we could get verse 8, just verse 8, as a church, right, we will never, ever have another problem again. You'll never hear gossip. Never. Never. You'll never be talking to a group of people over here and then all of a sudden going, 
You'll never have a problem if we could get our thinking right. As a body of believers, our goal should be wrapped around being more like Him. And if you remember going back just a couple chapters, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know the ticket to thinking this way? Humility. Guess what? You might be wrong. I might be wrong. And I'm willing to be taught. And I'm willing to be corrected. And I'm willing to change. That's the number one problem today. We're just not teachable. Can't tell me anything new. Can't teach me. No, wait a minute. Let's get our thinking right. And that'll start to get our life right. One other thing to ask is what would people say about Jesus or the church? based solely on you. Well, pastor, you know, that's, that's kind of a heavy weight. Good. Should be. Do people think highly of church and of Christ because of you, what comes out of your mouth? What's posted on social media, does that, does that point to Christ? Does that make God look good? Does that make his church look good? What? Or does it make your candidate look good? What's most important? What would someone say about Jesus and his church because of you? Perhaps you're here today and you'd say, you know what? I'm one of those guys that have been sick and tired of the way these Christians talk and act. I'm one of those. But if what you're saying is right, I may give it another, ch another chance. I may give it another shot. If what you're saying is true, and that's the way Christians ought to behave, and I, I, I'm going to not, from this moment on, I'm not going to hold it against Christ, and I'm not going to hold it against His church, that some people just maybe didn't read that verse. I want to know that kind of God. Maybe that's you today. If so, here in just a moment, music is going to begin to play. And these, this altar's up here for you. Believer, this altar is up here for you. Do with it what you would. And make sure you can leave with a clear heart, clear mind. Nothing held back. And all of it given to Him. Father, it is with great fear and trepidation that I entered this pulpit today.
And Father, standing behind this desk, Lord, I, I don't take lightly. Father, I believe that I delivered your message as best I could and as lovingly as I could and as truthfully as I could. And so, Father, do what only you can do, and that's burden the hearts of the hearers. Father, that we would determine to live our lives in such a way that only a good report would be heard of you. And only a good report would be presented of your church. Help us, Father, we pray in your Son's name.